Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, yeah. What's going on, DMV? You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham. Here with you live and local on 106.7 The Fan. And always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Ride with me. It'll take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Plenty to get into here tonight. Follow-up of what happened yesterday with the Washington Commanders. We'll continue to discuss it. Uh, If you've been living under a rock for the past 24 to 48 hours, let me get you up to speed. Washington yesterday on the NFL's trade deadline coming out and making two blockbuster deals, trading what most people thought two corners of this franchise, two cornerstones of this franchise in Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Montez gets dealt uh, to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. Damn good second-round pick, I might add, as well. Because of how crappy the Bears are, that pick should be between 33 and 38 at the worst. They're expected to have a top-five pick. Uh, On the other hand, Washington trades former number 2 overall pick Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers. For a compensatory third, and for my people out there who don't speak football nerd, a compensatory third is just the first pick of the fourth round, pretty much. So let's just get that out of the way with that. But all in all, obviously good value coming back if you're Washington. Now that the dust has settled a little bit, and I know it's only been a day, so the dust really technically hasn't settled, but you all know how us young people like to do. Microwave society, I'm jumping ahead already. Because to me, I think yesterday was a part of a bigger picture move with the Washington Commanders. It's the first time that the Josh Harris era, or the Josh Harris group, excuse me, got to make a personnel move. It obviously helps out the future of this franchise tremendously. And I think in the short term, despite what a lot of you think out there, I think in the short term, they're not much worse because of it. Let's call it what it is. Washington... Right now, I believe it's 29th in the National Football League in passing yards allowed per game. They're 31st in the National Football League in terms of points allowed per game. 
getting rid of Montez Sweat and Chase Young does not affect winning and losing. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. In terms of the long-term outlook of the franchise goes, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. They are much better off right now than they were yesterday. And I know my pals Grant and Danny, I know B mentioned Finley and the Junks. Everyone's hit on it. I'm going to tell it to you again. This quite literally may be the most attractive opening this offseason in terms of head coach and general manager. And I don't want to put the chicken before the horse here, but or chicken before the egg, but I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that there is new management and a new head coach here next year. Chris, if you can, tonight's folder. There's some Diana Russini audio in there that I need you to grab here. She joined the Junkies this morning. And I always love hearing the perspective of Diana Russini. She's someone who obviously spent a significant amount of time in this market, has plenty of sources within that building over in Ashburn. So she's well tapped in on, you know, what exactly went into the decision-making process yesterday. I think the big question that I still have coming out of yesterday's decisions, and I know we heard Ron talk earlier today. We'll let you hear from him as the show rolls on as well. The big question that I still have right now is what does the power structure currently look like over in Ashburn? We know the trade happened yesterday and all parties involved, according to Diana and and many other national outlets, all parties involved were on the same page in terms of this move being the best for the franchise. Diana Russini joined the junks this morning and gave a little bit of insight on Washington's power structure right now in the front office. Yeah, don't freak out, right? Because you have to realize, um, you know, I have to realize the audience I'm talking to in Washington and they hear the word owner Mm -hmm. and they immediately go back to like, you know, the the 2013-14 drafts and they're like, oh my gosh, this is an owner telling everybody and which coaches to to draft who. That's not the type of power structure I'm sensing coming out of that building at all. If anything, this is a completely different style of management than what we saw in years past with Dan Snyder. So everyone just take like a big exhale because it is in the hands of somebody who has not just vision for right now, but long-term vision. And in terms of the alignment of everyone that is making these calls inside the building, especially obviously yesterday as they're fielding tons of calls over the last few weeks or so, you know, the coaches, the front office people, ownership, were in line with understanding they need to make moves for the future. Well, there you have it. Diana Russini of The Athletic breaking it down for you, putting it in layman's terms. All parties involved were, you know, influential in this deal being done. But but the thing that still I feel like is left unknown is who brought this to the forefront? Who brought this to the cutting room floor, so to speak? Because if you're Ron Rivera, I think it stands, and everyone would agree with me on this, in terms of trying to win the most games possible in 2023, if you're Ron Rivera, getting rid of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, I guess makes it a little bit more difficult to do so, but I just gave you the numbers, so really are you losing that much? I don't know. I, I I will describe the situation right now in Washington like this. One of my buzzwords, one of my buzz phrases out there, if you listen to me on the regular. This is a multi-layered situation right now in terms of where we are 
today on November the 1st, 2023, and where we may be, oh, say January, after week 18 wraps up. So much still to happen. The clear thing is, though, based off yesterday, Josh Harris clearly has an eye toward the future. Ron Rivera clearly has an eye toward the future. Should he? That's to be debated. But I'll say this. This move to me also, and I said it last night, wow. And I'm stopping dead in my tracks here right now. Chris, did you know that we didn't touch on this before the show started? Bob Knight passes away at the age of 83 years old. I, I had not heard that. Man. Dude, yeah. I'm a huge Bobby Knight fan, man, yeah, actually, wow. from uh, from his old IU days, man. Yeah, that is, uh, that's definitely tough. So definitely condolences out to the to the Knight family and college basketball hoop heads out it's there throughout the still nation. Still the last tough. coach to have an undefeated season and win the tournament. Yeah, shout out Bobby Knight. We'll, we'll definitely probably bring that up with Keith Pompey, who will join us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. That's coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. I want to get back to Washington here for a second. I think the move yesterday signals the beginning of the end of Ron Rivera in this regime. Now, while I say that in the same breath, I'm also going to say I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Ron is gone at season's end. I just don't. And why do I think that? Diana Rossini of The Athletic, on with the junkies this morning, spoke about the idea and the possibility of Josh Harris making an in-season coaching change. Take a listen. I don't see an in-season change. I don't. I, I, I think if there would, if there were to be one, and I don't know of any, I don't have anything like on the record mm-hmm. uh, or even sourced information right now that ownership is planning on moving on, um, you know, from Rivera. But but, but I, I'm with you in terms of new ownership likes to spend a lot of money and likes to bring in their own people, which is why I do think the commanders will be active in free agency. I think they're going to make some moves. And I could see this happening. Um, Now, look, I don't know what kind of conversations they're having in the building in terms of Ron's direction and what they've made of his coaching this past season. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and you guys have have been around it. You've heard a million reports. Ron is always one of those coaches that everybody really likes. Mm -hmm. But we both know when it comes down to it, it's got he's got to win playoff games. And it just hasn't happened with him, uh, you know, being the head coach at this point. Diana Rossini landed out for us what we already know for real, right? Ron, it's got to win, right? Which is why I went on my diatribe all offseason about trying to develop a quarterback in year four of a five-year deal. It just didn't make sense in terms of time and place. But what Diana says right there I think is super interesting to me, and here's why. If, if Josh Harris and company have already made up their mind that they're going to give Ron in this staff the rest of the year. I don't know how much I like that, and here's why. Uh, about 3 o'clock Eastern time this morning, I woke up and I'm getting crazy notifications on my phone from ESPN. The Las Vegas Raiders and Mark Davis wasting no time uh, cleaning house over there. They fire their head coach, Josh McDaniels. The offensive coordinator gets fired, and the general manager gets fired. Now, that situation in Vegas with the Raiders A little bit different than the one we have here in Washington, but I think the thought process should be similar. Mark Davis probably figured, you know what? We're not going much farther with Josh McDaniels as my head coach, so let me get a head start on the process in trying to bring in my next guy. That's what I was hollering about all last week, 
is that I didn't know, and now that we've obviously got information about how the deal was made yesterday, but going into the whole trade deadline thing, I was like, well, if it's Ron and company making these decisions by themselves, and that's that's just ludicrous. And then if it's Josh Harris making the decision by himself, that's ludicrous. That's Dan Snyder 2.0. I'm still waiting to see who are going to be the football people that Josh Harris bring in. He's already brought in the analytics guy. And I know analytics is huge for him, and he leans on that heavily in terms of decision-making. And I know Eugene Shen was part of that decision that got made yesterday. But holy heck, Washington right now, nine games left to go in the season. Nine games left to go in the season. Right now, Washington currently the 11th seed in the NFC playoff picture. And I know fans are out there rolling your eyes. <coughs> Because you're like, playoffs? Why would, why would this group be thinking and talking about the playoffs? I said it last night on overtime. If you guys think that these grown-ass professional athletes are just going to quit on the rest of the season, you're ludicrous. They have nine games left to go. Nine games left to go. They're still right in the thick of the NFC playoff picture. And when you look at the teams that are directly in front of them, the LA Rams, they have an injury at quarterback with Matthew Stafford. So we don't know what they're going to look like here for the next month or so. You also play them before the season ends. The Tampa Bay Bucks, you should be rooting for. At 3 and 4, they're directly in front of you. The Saints, you also should be rooting for. They're at 4 and 4, directly in front of you. The Vikings hold down the 7th and final playoff spot in the NFC. But we all know Kirk Cousins just goes on IR with the torn Achilles. They trade for Josh Dobbs yesterday. But realistically speaking, like do you think Minnesota is going to be one of these teams that eventually ends up in the playoffs? Probably not. So if you're Washington, and if you're Ron Rivera, and if you're the guys in that locker room, you got to feel like all of your goals that you set at, in August at the beginning of the season, they're all very much right in front of you. And the reason I say you should be rooting for New Orleans and Tampa Bay, right now Atlanta is the leader in the clubhouse in terms of the NFC South. If the season ends today, the Atlanta Falcons are the four seed in the NFC. You have the tiebreaker over Atlanta. You get where I'm getting at here? There's still plenty of opportunity. I know this is going to sound crazy based off of the way the defense has played the first eight weeks and the inconsistencies that we've seen offensively. You're still right in the thick of this thing. So I do understand a little bit why we heard what we heard from Diana Rossini, that there's really unlikely, no matter how this thing finishes, that Josh makes a coaching change in season. I, I think it's a respect to Ron. It's a respect to the guys in the locker room. But you all know how I feel about it. Ron's probably not going to be here moving forward anyway. So a coaching change doesn't really bother me. It just gives you a head start on the process. But I do get why they may want to stick with the status quo the rest of the way. Because let's, let's be frank about it. As long as they're in playoff contention, you don't know what could happen. It's any given Sunday. We should know that more more so than ever now, based on the first eight weeks of the season, every week the team that feels like is guaranteed to win the so-called lock of the weekend, they go down. Last weekend is the Kansas is the Kansas City Chiefs. They fall. The weekend before that, it's New England uh, knocking off Buffalo. You know, so it, it happens. It happens. So if you're Ron and company, you got to sell yourself or sell the idea that, look, all we got to do is punch our ticket to get into the big dance, and who knows what the hell is going to happen from there. But moving forward, I do think 
ultimately Washington's in a much better spot as a franchise. But as we get here and, and look at the final nine weeks of the season, I think it's very clear what everything is about. And I said it last night here on Overtime. The last nine weeks of the season are about finding out whether or not Sam Howe uh, is going to be your franchise quarterback. We'll get further into that discussion as the show rolls on here tonight. You all know how I get down. It's the People Show. Tap in with me all show long. One of three ways. MGM, National Harbor Listener Lines, wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We'll take a quick timeout. We've got plenty of guests joining the program tonight as well. Top of the 8 o'clock hour. Our pal Michael Phillips, who writes for the Washington Times, he's set to join us uh, to react to yesterday's trade with the Burgundy and Gold. Then coming up at 840, our pal Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he'll give us the national perspective of what happened yesterday with the Washington Commanders, and we'll ask him the million-dollar question that we plan on asking you all tonight. Question of the night. What does Sam Howe have to do in order to prove himself worthy of being this team's long-term answer at the quarterback position. We'll discuss all that more uh, as the show rolls on. When we come back, though, Ron Rivera spoke to the media and gave his reasoning, his logic, his reaction uh, for what happened yesterday on NFL Trade Deadline Day. We'll let you hear from the coach next here on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my That's <laughs> legendary. Legendary college basketball coach Bobby Knight, who we just found out passed away at the age of 83 years old. That you, you told me it was a good cut. That that's a hell of a cut, uh, Bobby Knight, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of people uh, with mixed mixed reactions, mixed feelings, mixed emotions on who Bobby Knight is, what type of person Bobby Knight is, and how they remember Bobby Knight. But if there is a clip that sums up who Bobby Knight is and what type of personality he had, I think. Uh, it was that one right there. Bobby and I passing away. Found out about 30 minutes ago at the age of 83 years old. I know there's going to be a lot of folks nationally talking about that and his impact uh, on college athletics and just his rough, rogue 
coaching style, man. It's honestly, it's honestly, uh, love him or hate him, you got to respect him, right? Just a bunch of success throughout his time as a coach and one of the ultimate leaders, man, in the, in the collegiate games. So definitely condolences to the to the Bobby Knight family. Want to keep things on Ron Rivera here in the Washington Commanders. Ron spoke to the media earlier this afternoon after, you know, yesterday's big-time trades that went down. Washington in a position where they have to be looking toward the future. You're three and five. You got nine games left to go in the season. Future is now. And a lot of folks took umbrage with Ron Rivera being so concerned about the future uh, in his press conference this afternoon. Here is Ron Rivera uh, giving his official reaction to the trade. Take a listen. Um, you know, trading uh, Montez was, uh, you know, something that really tough decision, but something that we felt was in the best interest of the football team. Um, we really appreciate everything Montez had did for us. A heck of a football player came in and did some nice things and, and really fit well. Um, but again, this football is a very difficult business and a lot of things change and things happen. Um, and so we made the decision. Really do appreciate everything that Montez did for us and want to wish him the best in Chicago as he finishes up you know, his opportunities there. So Ron Rivera taking the high road, really saying what we expected him to say about uh, Montez Sweat. I thought really the interesting part about that and why I wanted to play it, his looking toward the future. And I uh, was listening to the Hoffman show earlier uh, today, and Craig, none too pleased about Ron Rivera and his infatuation with the future. But can you blame him? Can, can you blame Ron Rivera for anything that he said at the podium? Uh, today and really for the entirety of the season. He's got to look toward the future. I think he understands. I think he understands that we're in a spot right now where you're like, okay, you're in year four of a five-year deal. I think I differ from the rest of the fan base where it's like, I don't think it's some foregone conclusion that him and the rest of him and the rest of the front office are just not going to be back next year. I think Ron Rivera and his job security is tied at the hip with Sam Howell and whether or not he's going to be the quarterback moving forward. Because realistically speaking, right, and I'm doing the ultimate hypothetical here, there are nine games left to go in the season. Sam Howell is on pace for 27 touchdown passes. That is the most that has been thrown by a quarterback in this franchise since Kirk Cousins was here. So it's everything that you're hearing about this kid. Is it, hmm? He's the best thing this, this town has had in a little while. See, me, I'm asking respectfully that we pump the brakes on that because I think it's just ludicrous to make an assumption and a declaration about a quarterback after eight starts. Can I see a little bit more before we start trying to Crown him the next franchise quarterback? Didn't stop Ron Rivera earlier today. Here is the head coach, Ron Rivera, earlier today uh, talking about the future of Sam Howe. Lack of consistency, too, has also been trying to find and develop that quarterback. I, I think that's a lot of the things that we've had to deal with, you know, is that if you can get to that point and you you have your, your guy sooner, then maybe things turn out differently, but, but we never got to that point. And, and that was the hard thing was that, you know, and I know we've been, this franchise has been looking for quite some time. And for the first time, you know, in, in a while, 
um, I think that that guy might be here. I really do. And 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 I mean, I just got done looking at a bunch of stuff from from you know from from the analytics of of, of football, and um, they're all pointing in the right direction as far I as mean, <laughs> the quarterback is. I'm not trying to make a joke. Can you can you just play the last twenty seconds of that, Ron? Ron, why is it that you think Sam Howell is going to be the next starting quarterback of this team long term? Tell me, please. Um, I think that that guy might be here. I really do. And, and why? And I mean, I just got done looking at a bunch of stuff from oh. from you know from from the analytics of of, of football. Of what? And of football. Um, they're all pointing in the right direction as far as our, the quarterback is. Well, that's good. The analytics say that Sam Howell is going to be the long term answer at quarterback. You guys got to relax, Ron Rivera included. Now I understand. I'm not ignorant. I watch the game just the way you guys watch the game. I probably watch it with a little bit more detail, if I do say so myself. To try to anoint a franchise quarterback after eight weeks is is, is honestly ludicrous. It just is. But that hadn't stopped the reports that have come out. And let's, let's call it what it is. Let's be very honest and frank about the reports you hear nationally about Sam Howell. They all derive from the building. All all the positive things you hear coming out about Sam Howell, all of that is being spoon-fed to the national media by the folks in that building. What the hell do you expect them to say? Of course they want Sam Howell to be the long-term answer. I think we all as fans want him to be the long-term answer. But the one thing that I'm not going to do, which which as fans we, we do it a lot on accident sometimes maybe, we get emotionally attached to these players. We do. I mean, I'm no different. I defended a man that has 14 sacks in 34 career games. So you can just tell. We get emotionally attached to guys, especially quarterback. When you have been starved for a long-term answer at the game's most important position like this franchise has, any glimmer of hope, you are going to latch on to it. And let's let's call it what it is. Sam Howe. Through the first eight weeks of the season, there's a lot to write home about. He's tied for sixth in the National Football League in terms of passing touchdowns. He's 16th in the NFL in terms of total QBR. There is definitely, there's definitely something there in terms of Sam Howe. 14th in QB percentage. The numbers, the numbers are good. For me, consistency is the next step. To me, for Sam Howe. Because if you want to just look at it on its surface for what it is, Sam Howe, out of eight weeks, has played good three times. The one game against Denver. It's the only time that we've seen Sam Howe play well. We haven't even seen him put together two good performances in a row. So, to to act like he is 100% the unquestioned guy at quarterback moving forward... Let's pump the brakes on that, can we? And this is not me saying I think Sam Howe sucks. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's irresponsible as fans, as an organization, to think that after eight weeks, you've got your guy. It's ludicrous. But as I'll continue to say, there are nine games left to go in the season. Next two on the road, super important. At New England, at Seattle. Then you're home for the Giants. Can I Can I at least reevaluate him after that three-game stretch because let's let's call it what it is. There is a, I don't want to feel like I'm rooting for his failure, 
y'all should know better than that. I'm a biggest fan as y'all are. I'm starving for an answer at quarterback just like you guys are. Let's be frank and honest about the situation. There's a pretty good chance Sam Howe's ass gets put in the blender on Sunday on the road at New England. Bill Belichick, 22-6 and six against first-year starters at the quarterback position. 22-6. and six. That's a pretty strong track record. So odds are we're still not going to have back-to-back solid performances from Sam Howe. So the consistency thing becomes a big question with me. It just does. Speaking of Bill Belichick, by the way, you caught the tail end of Grant and Danny. They played some just mind-boggling audio from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Stirring the pot on a potential Bill Belichick, the D.C. story. We'll touch on that before the show rolls on as well. I want to take your calls, though. We're opening up the phones. MGM National Harbor Listing Lines, wide open, 1-800-636-1067 is the number. The question, pretty simple for you. What does Sam Howe have to do moving forward to establish himself as Washington's long-term answer at the quarterback position? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. What does Sam Howe have to do in the remaining nine games of this season to prove himself worthy of being this team's long-term answer at quarterback? We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Your calls, plus we'll let you hear from Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. He joined me last night and gave an answer to the question we're asking right now. Is Sam Howe the long-term answer at quarterback? For the Washington Commanders, we'll let you hear from JLC, plus we'll take your calls next here on The Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we dish things over to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up in about 45 minutes, top of the 8 o'clock hour, our pal Michael Phillips, who covers the commanders for the Washington Times. He is set to join the program. We'll get his thoughts on all things burgundy and gold. Do a little commander's reset after the trade deadline moves yesterday. What does that mean moving forward uh, for the Burgundy and Gold? We'll talk to Michael Phillips about that coming up in about 40 minutes or so. Bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, pro football focus, research and development leader Brad Spielberg is set to join us. He has been all over the trade deadline, and it was interesting. We had him on during the offseason, and he was kind of trying to project the type of return that Washington could get for Montez Sweat. And at the time, you know, he was talking about 
a Bradley Chubb level deal. And look, let's call it what it is. Bradley Chubb, for, for those of you who don't know, was moved for a first round pick. For Washington to get what they got in exchange for Montez Sweat, 100% of victory. 100% of victory. You got four solid seasons out of Montez without ever having to commit big time financially to him. And you turn him around for a pick that was, let's be honest, very close to the pick you used to draft him. You get a second round pick from Chicago. Odds are the Bears are going to have a top five pick in this April's draft. So it's a win if you're Washington. It's a win. And I know there's that portion of the fan base who's upset that either guys were traded in the first place because you want to win and you consider them franchise cornerstones. I get it. Here's what I'll say to that. To me, let me pick my words very wisely here. If you were going to trade both Montez Sweat, why didn't you trade John Allen? Why didn't you trade Kendall Fuller? Why didn't you trade Curtis Samuel? There are other expiring deals on this team that you could have gotten value back for if that really is the most important thing for you right now, getting value for your assets, looking toward the future. If that really was the case, I'm kind of upset that we didn't see a real fire sale because I don't think yesterday was a fire sale at all because when I think of the term fire sale, I think of a team getting rid of all of their assets and then not being competitive after getting rid of Montez Sweat and Chase Young I don't think you really are going to see a major drop-off defensively. You were 29th in pass yards allowed with them. You're probably going to be no much worse without them. I mean, you could could only go so much further, right? 31st in points per game allowed with them. How much worse do you actually get with them not being on the field? That's just how I look at it. But in terms of quarterback, (laughs) according to Ron Rivera, the reason these moves happened was because of the quarterback. And everything is different when you feel like you have a long-term answer at the quarterback position. And that's kind of what I want to get to the bottom of. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. What does Sam Howell have to do in order to prove to you that he is a long-term answer at quarterback? And then moving forward, do you think he should be the guy going into next year? Now, odds in history tell you that odds are Sam isn't going to be the guy. And I'm not trying to be some sort of Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to hate on Sam. I think the kid's got a ton of ability. I, I just look at the quarterback position since the year 2000, and it's just hard for me it's hard for me to look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, fifth rounder is going to end up being the guy. When you look at the track record since 2000, there really isn't a whole lot of guys drafted at that spot that end up turning out to be good players. Now, I understand once you play a game in the National Football League, your draft status no longer matters. I understand that wholeheartedly. But to me... I'm not willing to say yes or no one way or another in terms of is Sam Howell going to be the guy or not. I'll I'll be very transparent with you. 
And I understand this is sports talk radio. You're supposed to have opinions. But let's call it what it is. Anyone who feels definitively one way or another, I don't know how you have enough data. I don't know how you have enough evidence. I don't know how you've seen enough to make a conclusion and come to a conclusion like that. Now, granted, the numbers through the first eight weeks, I'll continue to say it. The numbers through the first eight weeks of the season, phenomenal. I mean, seriously. When you, if, if we were just looking at this from a statistical standpoint, 14th in the NFL in completion percentage, that ain't bad. Tied for sixth in the NFL in terms of passing touchdowns, that's pretty darn good, isn't it? 16th in the NFL in terms of QB rating. I mean, he's everything statistically that you want. But then I bring up the stat that everyone has a hard time trying to place the blame for. That is the sacks, and we all know it. He is the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League with 41. The next closest quarterback is Daniel Jones. He's been sacked 28 times. That sack problem gives me real, real cause for concern in terms of him being the guy moving forward. But as we saw Sunday, I do, I do think, I do think Sunday showed us that if Washington sticks to a particular game plan, the sacks will not be as much of an issue. That being said, are they going to be able to build off of that game plan from Sunday moving forward? And I'll continue to say it. You got Bill Belichick this weekend. You're traveling to Foxborough. Odds are it's going to be a rough outing for Sam Howell in the offense. Is that going to change your opinion on the question we're asking right now? Should Sam Howell be the guy moving forward? What does Sam Howell have to do to instill himself, to entrench himself as the franchise quarterback moving forward? Devon is in D.C. What's going on, Devon? Hey, Linnell. I appreciate the call. Yes, answer. So, yes, so I watch football, and I watch the game, and I'm, I'm convinced he's not going to be the guy long term. He he doesn't have the hero gene, and he's not you know he's not one of the top tier quarterbacks. So the most you're going to get is a game manager out of him in the long term. You know the stats; those are the things. But you got to remember that we're playing from behind, and he's getting garbage yards every game when you're down. Hold on now, hold on, Devon. I ain't gonna say that was garbage yards last week. He damn near threw for four bills. Yeah, at the at the end, how take take seventy away from there and one touchdown. You know, a game that's all that's pretty much over with. Yeah. That every other team just runs the ball and eats the clock up. But you're throwing downfield, so I mean that's that's consistently when you're playing from behind. The defenses are playing cover two. Then that Philly game, if you want to look at that one, they never blitzed them in that. Not never, but they hardly blitzed them. So what happens when he plays a team when he's back facing a blitz again? We're going to see it this week. Return? We're going to see it this week, Devon, going up against the New England Patriots. I appreciate the call as always. I said it earlier. New England 22-6, and six, or Bill Belichick, excuse me, 22-6 and six against first-year starters at the quarterback position. It's food for thought. It's just food for thought. I'm not saying one way or another that Sam's automatically going to get put in the blender this Sunday, but it's pretty likely, right? I'm not hating when I say that. Take the numbers out of it, though. Let's just go with the eye test. Let's just go with everything we know about the kid. Fifth-round pick. They list him at six foot one. I really doubt that he's a true six one. He's probably five eleven, six foot. The one thing I will say, right? 
I think Devon made a great point. When I look at Sam Howell, and I think we can, you all can chime in with this as well. In, in terms of figuring out what he's going to be and what his ceiling is, I, I think ultimately that depends on how you want to build your football team. Because I think San Francisco's proven it with Brock Purdy. You can insulate the roster around a young signal caller. And Washington's going to be in position to do that. That's why I continue to say this is a multi-layered situation in terms of what's going to happen between now and the end of the season. Because even if Washington misses the playoffs, but Sam Howell plays really well and the next regime comes in and they're like, you know what? Bleep Sam Howell. It's not the end of the world to me. Even if Sam Howell plays well and the new regime decides he's not the guy, which is very likely, I might add. It's very likely. Normally, when you take over a regime and you take over an organization, you want your own guys. Even if the new regime doesn't want Sam Howe, if he plays well, you know what Sam Howe now is? A very tradable asset. That matters. That matters in terms of going and getting your next guy. But I think the jury's all night long here. I don't think it's fair. I don't think. You're using good judgment. If eight weeks into this thing, you have an opinion one way or another about whether or not he's going to be the guy moving forward. I just don't think that's, I just don't think that's smart. But if we just look at it from the numbers like we've been doing, looks like he's going to be the guy. You heard what Diana Rossini said. They feel like internally, yeah, Sam is going to be the guy. People in that building are very confident in him. What do you guys think? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. What does Sam Howell have to do to prove himself worthy of being the long-term answer at quarterback moving forward? Doug is in Potomac. What's going on, Doug? Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'd love to see him win, uh, you know, win at least five games uh, out of the nine. Uh, and I think, look, I think you can see Sam Howell has a lot of talent when you watch him play. He can make all the throws. He's doing the checkdowns. You know, he's playing behind a pretty awful line and is still putting up numbers. He's His team has been relatively competitive in, in a good number of games. So I like what I see there. I also don't trust, quite frankly, the, the, the commander's front office to draft a quarterback that would be any better than him, right? I mean, they have had a history of really poor first-round draft picks. Montez Sweat and Chase Young, the latest of the first-round draft picks who are either who aren't on the team anymore and or underperforming. And so, you know, that's one of the concerns I have about those trades. Is yes, we're getting some draft capital, but that means you have to tr- you have to tr- you have to have trust in their front office to draft good talent. And they've had some pretty awful drafts. The well, latest. Doug, let me say this though. Being, Th- this is why know, I think it's all fascinating. Yeah. If Sam plays well throughout the rest of the season, improves himself worthy of being the guy? Yeah. If you heard what I said earlier, not only are they not going to have a good draft pick, I don't think it's some foregone conclusion that Ron is automatically out of the door. He drafted this Maybe young not. man. He handed the keys to this young man. So if Sam proves worthy of being the quarterback, you all think that Josh is just going to can Ron Rivera? I don't even think that'd be smart. I don't think so either. Doug, I appreciate the call, man. I, I don't know. And I, it, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here because I understand it. More times than not, 
when a owner buys a team, he brings in his people, his front office, and then that new front office then picks their own head coach, and those two put their heads together to find a long-term answer at quarterback. That's the way real professional NFL outfits do it. But this situation, I'll continue to say it, multi-layered. And we just are so early in the process that I think it's ludicrous to lean one way or another. Because like I was saying with the last caller, if Sam Howe proves himself worthy of being this team's quarterback next year and he looks like the long-term answer, are we just going to oh, not give Ron the credit for handing the keys to the franchise over to this kid? It took a lot of stones to do what Ron Rivera did. You could look at it that way, or you could say he ain't had no other damn choice. And if y'all listen to me all the time, I know I say it till I'm blue in the face. It's organizational malpractice to try to develop a quarterback in year four of a five-year deal. It, don't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've always felt that way. But, man, if the kid ends up turning out to be a guy, and when I say a guy, let's, let's narrow down our parameters of what we're even talking about here. Realistically speaking, just based on the eight games, I think his ceiling, when it looks really, really good, and when he's at his best like Philadelphia on Sunday, he is a top 15 quarterback. He is in that 13 to 16 range. I think he's similar to a Kirk Cousins. He's similar to a Dak Prescott. But the one thing I always have a hold up and pause about with Sam, when I'm talking about the freakazoids at quarterback like Josh Allen and Burrow and Mahomes and Lamar, he's damn sure not in that category, and he never will be. Here's why. All of those guys have this elite trait. I still wonder, what is Sam's elite trait? What is his calling card? You all can say toughness, but but damn. Seriously, an intangible is his best trait? That's not what I want. I want a guy that's got a hose for an arm. I want a guy that's super elusive. You get what I'm saying here? We'll continue to take your calls. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. Mike is in Falls Church. What's going on, Mike? I want to know how many passes have been knocked down at the line. Because I think it might be too small. I agree. Mike, I, and this is my philosophy on quarterback, Mike, just based on track record across the National Football League. How often is it that you see guys six foot and below workout? It's just hard. It's just harder to do the job. So I do think that's one of the reasons why I'm like, would kind of be out on Sam Howell. But give me more. Well, beyond that, I think it's an unfair question because when you got receivers dropping the ball in the fourth quarter, when you got a line that Mike, can't are you kidding me? You, when you got defenses, Mike, Mike, don't do, Mike, please don't do that. You're gonna blame. No, I understand Terry the McLaurin's the number one wide receiver. Win. It's a team problem. You're gonna blame Terry McLaurin for the for the end of the game the world, sequence. In, in one of Mike, the how about the fact that the how about the fact that Terry McLaurin was wide the hell open on both of those passes and Sam Howell threw the ball in the dirt? What about that? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know they're not perfect throws, but winners win. And this team is, is elite it's not quarterbacks don't throw the football in the dirt, Mike. I and I'm not it, saying man. that should I, be. I, and I appreciate the call. I'm not saying that him throwing the ball in the dirt should be an indictment on the future. But darn, it hurts. Everyone was complaining last week about Jahan not catching the football. Uh, how about he hit Jahan in the in the chest? How about he throws an accurate pass? I don't know what it is. But the last two weeks, he's come up small in the biggest moments of the game. And that's not me being unfair. That's me being honest and truthful. 
1-800-636-1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor Lister lines. What does Sam Howe have to do to prove himself worthy of being the long-term answer at quarterback for the Washington Commanders? When we come back, we'll continue to run through your calls. Plus, we'll let you hear from Jason Lockenfora, Odyssey NFL insider. He answered that exact question last night right here on Overtime. We'll take your calls. Plus, hear from Jason Lockenfora next here on The Fan. Just getting rolling here on this Wednesday night edition of Overtime. It's the youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we dish the rock to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, about Michael Phillips, who covers the team for the Washington Times. He is set to join us. We'll talk all things Burgundy and Gold. We'll get his reaction to yesterday's trade deadline moves. The Washington Commanders, I don't want to say hitting the reset button, but Making moves with an eye toward the future. They trade Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. And if you've been listening to the show, and if you listened last night, I mean, I cannot give the Josh Harris group enough credit for the return that they got for Montez Sweat. Notice I'm saying the Josh Harris group. This was a Eugene Shen move, people. Ron Rivera talked about it earlier today. Eugene Shen... Help them understand the value a little bit more. He's the analytics guy and the first real football person brought in by Josh Harrison Company. They trade Montez Sweat. They get a second-round pick that really is going to be a top-five selection because the Bears stink. You trade Chase Young. You get a compensatory third, which is really top pick of the fourth round. You get value back for two guys that probably weren't going to be here long-term. I know all the stuff about they wanted to sign Montez to a long-term deal and all that. Look, I'll continue to say it's on blue in the face. When you stink on defense the way Washington has the first eight weeks of the season, anyone is expendable, including Jonathan Allen, who I thought should have been dealt yesterday as well, if they were serious about collecting draft capital and looking toward the future. But that's here nor there. The question at hand right now, though, MGM National, I'm not even going to say they're wide open. Lines are full right now. If you're trying to keep, if you're trying to call and you're getting the busy signal, keep trying us. What does Sam Howell have to do to establish himself as the long-term answer at quarterback? We talked to Jason Lockenfora last night here on Overtime. He gave us his thoughts about Sam Howell and the prospects of him being the long-term answer here in D.C. I think the quarterback has a chance to be there a long time. What he's doing now, under duress, without an offensive line, you know, like, I think he has a chance to, or if he doesn't play there, I think he has a chance to play in this league for a long time. This kid's fighting his heart out. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. It's clear that he's a gamer, and he's going to give mind, body, and soul to try to win football games. Does he going to make mistakes and all that? Yeah. It's not perfect. But, I mean, boy, I'd like to see him with a, you know what I mean, with yeah. a real, like a real left tackle, you know, right. and an upgrade at center. And, you know, like, there, it'd be nice to be able to see it with some semblance of a normal, even slightly below average offensive line let alone this. That's why I think the next nine weeks are going to be so telling because they don't obviously have the ability to make any of those upgrades that Jason just spoke about right now. Those are moves and decisions that happen in the offseason where Washington is going to have plenty of cap space north of $90 million. They are going to have five picks within the top 50. So they're in a really good spot right now moving forward. This is why it gets so complicated with Sam because it's like how, how good does he have to play? To be the guy. How good does he have to be to say, you know what? Let's invest resources in building around you, not going out and getting a whole new guy to do the job. Let's go to Greg and Alexandria. What's going on, Greg? 
Uh, hey, buddy, thank you, man, for taking my call. Yes, uh, sir. Okay, so I can't really say if this guy's the future or franchise quarterback, but it's his first full season. Number two, his development is going to solely depend on his, I guess, uh, you know, training and, and practicing under Coach Bienemy. Coach Bienemy, you know what I'm saying, this is his first year, you know, and he helped develop, you know what I'm saying, that awesome guy over at KC. So, you know, I mean, that's one thing good we got going for Sam right now, but I think it remains to be seen. It, you know, this is his first full season. Under this new offensive coordinator. So, Greg, so Greg let me ask you this thing, because that wasn't the actual – the actual question. What does he have to do to prove that he's the guy? You're saying you don't know if he's the guy. What does he have to do to prove that? Yeah, like, I, you know, I, honestly, I can't say. I mean, right now he's showing the potential. But, you know what I'm saying, this is, like like I say, his first year. We got to make – we can make that determination at the end of the season. Greg, I appreciate the call, man. This is what I want to ask out there to the fans. Everyone keeps saying he's shown the potential. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Everyone keeps saying he's shown the potential. Has he shown the consistency, though? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. He has yet to put together two quality starts in a row. He hasn't. Let's call it what it is. Week one against Arizona was almost a damn nightmare. Right? So that wasn't a good performance, a good quality start to me. Turned it over too many times. On the road against Denver. Played his heart out. Gutsy performance. Fourth quarter comeback. You name it. At home. When the national media was starting to smell you a little bit and, and question how good you actually were, Buffalo comes to town and they stomp you 37-3 and Sam Howell looked like he did not belong. 19-29, a buck 70, four interceptions, nine sacks. He looked like he didn't belong at points in time this year. But of course, after he struggles against Buffalo, the first Philly game rolls around. He plays his tail off. Best game of his career to that point. He follows that up with an absolute stinker at home in primetime against the Chicago Bears. The consistency for me is what I need to see from Sam Howe in order to give him a chance at being the guy moving forward. Steve is in Silver Spring. What's going on, Steve? How you doing, man? I love the show. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, I think he's proved himself. I, I tell you what. Give him a line and then let's assess him. Give him a defense that doesn't give up 35 points a game, and then we can assess him. Give him a short field, two games in a row, and then we can assess him. Them five games that San Francisco's uh, 49ers won with Brock Purdy, he has short fields. When they blew out Dallas, he has short fields. The three straight games that he's lost, because I have the ticket, well, I have the NFL oh, of course. He, he, had to, he had to fight adversity for the first time, and he couldn't oh, do it. Oh, oh no question. But th- those last three games that the 49ers lost, Purdy had to go long-distance fields, you know, because I don't know if other teams have figured him out or whatever the situation is. And I understand San Francisco has some injuries. But, you know, what, 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 what does Sam Howell look like with Trent Williams on the left side instead of Charles Leno? Or, or you know, uh, a decent offensive line. I hear that. I mean, so you're saying I, you're, I curious, you're, you're curious to see him. You're curious to see him next year after they spend all these resources this summer. Yeah, give him the resources to 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 do. Well. Let me say this. I, let I me say this at, though, Steve, and I appreciate the sure. call, brother. He's got to earn that. And I appreciate you. He, he's got to earn 
the right to put resources around him. Has he done that through eight weeks? I don't know if I'm willing to say that. I I don't know if I'm willing to say that. And I don't want to diminish anything that he did against Philadelphia. But you don't think it's a coincidence that his best two games of his career are against the Eagles? Why am I bringing that up? Eric Bieniemy clearly has the number of the Eagles defense. You go back to the Super Bowl and what they were able to do with the short motion stuff. Hell, you go back to the first meeting this year. It was very clear from the get-go that, hmm, EB has a beat on what Philadelphia is doing defensively. He was able to provide better answers for Sam Howell, and Sam Howell performed. Now, y'all disagree with me on this. I think he melted in the late stages of that football game on Sunday. Y'all can say what y'all want about Terry should have caught the ball. He's wide the hell open, and Sam throws the ball in the dirt. That can't happen. It just can't. Not saying I'm going to crush him for it, but I ain't omitting it. It ain't something that I'm just ignoring. Rob is in hate market. What's going on, Rob? Linnell, Linnell, I love your passion, man. I Appreciate love your passion. It, hey, listen, um, so my L's pointed up for Sam. Let me tell you why. I wasn't always a, a Sam fan. I saw him in college. I was at the Virginia Tech game when North Carolina played them. Yes. I didn't see much. But I will tell you this, dude. He has the demeanor of an, an assassin. And, and you keep on talking about these low low throws. When you watch that play in which Dotson dropped the ball, do you see? Did you see what he did before that? He spun out of a tackle and was throwing on the run. The kid is mobile. The kid has an accurate arm, and the kid has courage. As a matter of fact, I have the perfect comp for him. You know what it is? Lay it on me. It's Mark. It's Mark Brunell. Wow. I know, Mark look, 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 I know there's some older folks that's going their ears going to perk no. up when they hear that, right? It's a Mark Burnell. He has athleticism, and he's accurate with the ball. He just needs an opportunity. Now, you said what he has to do for the rest of the year. For me, he has to limit the sacks, number one. Number two, I think he has to win some games in which they're expected to lose, and I'd love to see him go on a, a winning drive at the end of the game. But if he shows those things, I think you have to take a risk on him and develop people around him and give him another opportunity with a, with a good offensive line. Rob, I appreciate the call, man. I, I agree with everything Rob said. I will go back to – I will go back to – he brought up the Jahan Dotson situation uh, two weeks ago against the Giants. Th- this is interesting to me because I don't know why – yes, he gets credit for – Yes, he gets credit for breaking out of the sack, but if y'all look pre-snap, Charles Leno points at that edge defender and basically is letting Sam know, hey, he's yours. They slid the protection on that play, so there was a free rusher that Sam was going to have to beat. If you're a quarterback in the National Football League and you can't account for a free rusher with your athleticism, you ain't a starter. So I don't give him kudos for that. That's what a damn starting quarterback's supposed to do. And it goes back to my larger point with us as a fan base. And I say us because I'm just like y'all. We're so thirsty for a long-term answer at quarterback that any guy that gives us or shows us any glimmer of hope, we attach ourselves onto him. Case in point, last year, and I know this is going to be a soft spot for y'all, sore spot for y'all, some of y'all were crazy enough to run around here last year hollering that Taylor Heineke was going to be the long-term answer. Are you bleeping kidding me? That's my point, though. We become so emotionally invested especially at quarterback, because we haven't had a long-term answer 
for so long. So I get it. I appreciate y'all passion. Y'all delusional as hell at times, but I get you. Jonesy, what's going on, baby? You look in the hell, man. Hey, look here, man. What's going look, on, doggy? You the morning cup of coffee in the evening, bro. <laughs> you bringing it strong. Hey, look, look. I don't care what nobody say. Nobody better not call back up here talking no trash to you because you tell them I said so. Get off the phone with that nonsense. <laughs> now, check this out. Uh-huh. Sam is playing the way he's playing for one reason. He's the reflection of the coaching we get, man. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? I, I agree. The reflection of the coach. They got up and down in the coaching, and he's up and down in his playing because he doesn't know how to play along with the way they are coaching him right now. So my thing is we're going to have to get some, you know, some big boys in the building to work with him and get him going the way he needs to be going because that's a baller. And I do believe that kid is the quarterback of this team. But right now we just got to get some – so, as one other uh, quarterback used to say, you just got to get some trash away from his feet. You understand what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? As far as it goes. And then I think, you know, once we get the new coaching in here, we'll see a better version of Sam Howe, like that fifth pick he should have been. Because bottom line is, man, a lot, of co- a lot of these quarterbacks fail because of bad coaching. You know what I'm saying? And that's not called 100%. out enough. So, therefore, I'm saying we got to look off the field and look over there to the sideline and see – who is pretty much uh, uh, putting the money. Now, EB, he's good with him, but we don't know what EB is being told off to the side as well. You know what I'm saying? Because Ron, he stands there with his arms folded. Oh, oh Joe, that's might be saying, nah, don't run that play. That'd be, yeah. that'd be, that'd be crazy. Might- if Ron has that type of power, Jonesy, then we're all in trouble. I appreciate the call as always. I think what Josie brings up is a good point, though. I think Sam and his performances this year have been a reflection at times of the plan. Now, I continue to praise Eric Bieniemy in the game that he called on Sunday against Philadelphia. I mean, it was the best called game he had all year. I don't know how much I agree, though, with this narrative that, like, EB hasn't put Sam in position to succeed. The one thing that a caller brought up earlier, and I totally agree with, for whatever reason, it's like Philadelphia hadn't watched the last seven weeks of Washington football. Their game plan was rush four, play seven in coverage. That is not how you beat this football team. If you're able to get pressure on Sam Howe, it's been proven that he's going to make a mistake. We didn't see Philly force him into that mistake on Sunday. This Sunday, though, in Foxborough against Belichick and company, I think it's going to be a whole other story. I'm not saying Sam's going to fall flat on his face, but I don't expect him to throw for 400 yards. That's for damn sure. 1-800-636-1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore. BTP question is very simple for you all. What does Sam Howell have to do in the final nine games of the season to prove himself worthy of being Washington's long-term answer at the quarterback position? Is it a statistical number? Is it a, is it an amount of wins or do you just need to see game in game out progress for the next nine weeks? Let me hear from you. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. More of your calls coming up next here on the fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.